Welcome to the Rocking Life podcast, Rocking Life After Divorce. And today we have Philip Turner here today. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. I'm so happy that you wanted to be on the podcast. And you're a little bit younger than me. You are, you look very young, but you're <laughs> 32 years old and uh, you have been through a divorce. And uh, now the podcast is turning three months and uh, I have a little question for you, listener. I really need your help in uh, making this podcast even better. So I'm curious if you would be willing to be interviewed by me for marketing research and uh, it would be about uh, 20 minutes over Zoom and uh, I'll ask you some questions and take notes and in exchange, I will be more than happy to stay on afterwards and answer any questions you have for me related to your divorce or anything you're struggling with after your divorce. My biggest challenge, as I've shared many times on the podcast, was being separated from my children and loneliness and depression afterwards. And it lasted, you know, a couple of years almost, like a year and a half. And it was definitely thanks to getting a counselor, a coach, and a mentor that helped me move through this a lot faster than a lot of other people. I've heard some stories where people gone through divorce and it's lasted for years and years to come and not being able to move out into the best part of their lives. So I I just wanted to challenge you to, to send me an email on uh, rockinglifepodcast at gmail.com, rockinglifepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, or you can also send uh, a voicemail via the link below and uh, let me know if you want to be on and uh, just a short interview with me where I can learn more about the listeners and uh, how you like it and what uh, what other things we want to do with the podcast. So I'd love if you would uh, contact me and uh, looking forward to, to have a chat with you. And um, on this podcast, I I want to be an encourager. I want to be helping people that transition through divorce Nav- i usually call it navigate divorce uh, because it is a navigation it is a very difficult period of time and uh, i know how difficult it can be uh, i went through divorce myself about five years ago and uh, i usually compare it to rock climbing because my kids uh, they love rock climbing and i rock climb indoor rock climbing with them and uh, when you navigate divorce it's a lot like rock climbing you hit this difficult path in life and you don't know how to do it. You're, you're lost. And uh, I usually take the, uh, I don't know if you've rock climbed or, or done any rock climbing, but. Yeah, I've done indoor indoor rock climbing before. Yeah. And you know, when you do bouldering, uh, if you do a difficult path, sometimes you hit uh, like a path, a part of it that you, you, you can't figure it out how to do it. And then mm-hmm. you ask a buddy on the on the floor that's watching that is very professional, and he he's gone that path before. And then uh, then uh, you can just how do you do this? And then he tells you, okay, to do this grip instead of this grip. And then you you're able to go past it. And it's kind of like having a coach or having a mentor that's already gone this path before and can show you how to do it. And that's what being a coach is to help people or being a mentor in a way. To be able to show uh, and and kind of like go in, in front of you, and uh, that is so powerful to have somebody that can help you along the way. When you're lost, for example, you wouldn't climb up Mount Everest the first time without a guide, would you? Oh hell no! 
Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very, very stupid. I don't even know if I'm ready to climb Mount Everest at all, even with a guide at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not, not, not yet, at least. Not yeah. yet. Yeah, exactly. So you're a men's divorce co coach. You're a creator of the Level Up Mentoring Program. And you're also a father to a beautiful six-year-old girl. And uh, I just wanted to hear a little bit more about you. How did you end up being divorced at such a young age? Well, I got married at at a young age. Yeah. <laughs> not not really not really super young. We we met. We were, I was probably twenty. I think I was twenty three when we met. We ended up um, getting pregnant, and so I was twenty five when when we had our daughter. Yeah. And I was like, oh, the logical thing to do here is to get married. Okay. And so, um, not the logical thing to do, but at the time that seemed <laughs> seemed like the right thing to do. And so for for a while it was you know for a while it was really great but the the issue was that we weren't really in alignment with each other yeah you know so I I had different dreams and goals and aspirations and she had a totally different idea of what she wanted her life to look like and so we did our best to to compromise and to create balance but but ultimately when when my focus is is on one thing her focus is on something that's totally different we're we're ultimately just going to be drawn down different paths. What was the reason why you guys separated initially? Well, I didn't even get I didn't really get much of an answer. I didn't really get a whole lot of closure as to as to why. It was just like I have thing, you know, she told me, you know, I just have things that I'm, you know, that I'm trying to figure out and and I don't know how to do it and you know, she made it more about about her you know, and, and what her needs and wants were, but, you know, and I wanted to provide and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be there for her, but I didn't even know what to do. Yeah. And so I wanted to be there and make her happy, but that's the first mistake was trying to make someone else happy. Yeah. You can't, you can't make someone else happy. That's, it's not my responsibility to make someone else happy. She has to figure out how to be happy on her own. Yeah. And so, you know, I was, I was devastated. I felt like such a failure because you know i couldn't make this person happy but that's an impossible task yeah. that's that's not something that that's not something you can do you can't realistically put that on yourself and so you know we we separated once and then you know we split apart and lived apart for about six months and then we felt better and then got back together and then we moved uh like 700 miles away and tried it you know, whole new fresh start, fresh, you know, new job and everything. I felt like my job was probably one thing that was really straining our relationship because I was working like 55 to 65 hours a week oh, wow. and was totally stressed out yeah. uh, all I the time. I was exhausted and I wasn't able to be present with her. I wasn't able to be present with my daughter. So, you know, I wasn't even the same person anymore yeah. that, you know, that I was when we got together. So after six months apart, we didn't really do any healing. Nothing, nothing changed. So I, you know, I was just like, okay, I guess I have to figure out how to be alone. And, you know, I still wanted her and I started to feel better and we must, we mistook feeling better for healing. Okay. And so, you know, you just kind of become numb and then you didn't mistake the numbness for healing. And then, and then so when we got back together and, what happens when nothing changes <laughs> changes inside is everything that happens on the outside is the same as well. Did you seek so, any help at that time? 
from a no. counselor, coach, uh, mentor, friend? Before we separated the first time, I, I went and saw a few counselors as just, you know, um, the first as like an initial uh, like consultation session. Yeah. And I didn't go through with committing to any of them. And so I felt like money was, you know, money, money is a huge worry, yeah. especially as the, as the man, as the breadwinner, as a provider. And so without, without the money there, I, I was like, uh, I don't know if I should really do this. So I just completely neglected taking care of myself. And so uh, I didn't, I didn't hire a coach. I didn't hire any sort of counselor at the beginning. Yeah, I, can, so, I can say that if it's money, then it's definitely, uh, I, I was in the same position. I think so many people are in the same position that uh, they, they don't value a coach or a, a counselor in this process. But I guarantee you a divorce is going to be 100 times more expensive uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> than well, getting some, if you really want a, a relationship to work, to spend as much money as you can on a counselor and a coach or a mentor and, and seek up friends to help you. Because it's yeah, not going to be cheap to go through with a divorce. Well, and and the and even if the divorce is happening, the thing is having a having a better a better grasp of your emotions, how you're feeling, why you're feeling this this way, yeah. is going to lead you to make better decisions and act in ways that are a little bit more supportive to what you want. Yeah. So the dialogue that 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 you have with your ex while you're going through while you're going through a separation or going through a divorce is is really critical how you handle these, how you handle these conversations, yeah. how you present yourself, how you respond to her is ultimately going to create, you know, it's going to create what your future is going to be. Yeah. And exactly. so, yeah. So when we run, so when we run and when we're completely ran by emotions, feeling in the moment, then we do things, say things. And, and so it makes it really challenging to work together. Yeah. And so we, we all want amicable, easy easy splits. Nobody really wants to go through like a painful, long, lengthy process. It would, it would, it'd be better if it was just, okay, we're done. I understand. Like, let's let it go and, and figure out something that's going to be, that's going to be fair and, and move on. So instead, <laughs> instead we would rather get emotional and then we get lawyers involved and then the lawyer kind of gets in our ear and Hey, you know, like you can have this, you could have this, you could have this. And so then we start, you know, our, our emotions start getting heightened and then we start taking actions that aren't really, that aren't supportive anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree uh, with the divorce. If you get a, two different lawyers, if you don't do a collaborative divorce where they actually work together, but uh, if you have two different divorce lawyers, they just represent one party. They don't represent the whole family. And it's right. just very egoistic uh, way of doing a divorce, I think. And uh, a lot of times yeah, it bring, bring in a lot of fear, a lot of uh, uh, very unhealthy. And it doesn't set you up for a long-term win for the family and for the kids. It, it sets you up for, in a way, very selfish uh, for one person. And uh, it just gets you in a very bad uh, position i think uh if you have to do it that way and especially if it's a lot of friction but i, I know that uh, you shared that with you uh, your your uh, ex-wife wanted to move back to montana right mm -hmm. and uh, you could have s said no i'm not moving back there but you actually allowed that and i think uh, 
to reduce friction to be able to work together is a key and i think that's very honorable to that you did that and uh, that you have a great uh, relationship with your ex-wife uh, and your daughter even though you live far apart uh, you you mentioned that you actually went back there to their family and spend uh, spend time with them and that's i think that's very cool yeah yeah so just yeah just to be clear we so we lived in we lived in Oregon and then she wanted to move back to Montana when we separated the second time. Yeah. And so you're right. I could have said I could have said no. I could have fought her on it and kept her there in Oregon. But she would have been really unhappy. Yeah. Right? And then so she would have resented me. Yeah. And then she would have fought me harder on the divorce. Yeah. Then I would be actually paying paying more instead of just letting her go, letting, you know, just letting go of the outcome and just knowing that everything was going to work out. She moved away with, with our daughter. Yeah. So that was, that was really painful, but it allowed us just doing that and just having the understanding allowed us to maintain a cordial relationship. Yeah. And I don't even know if it's the right, I don't know if it was the right decision. Um, it was the choice that I made at the time that seemed that seemed like the best yeah. uh, just for our daughter and yeah, I did go, I did go to Montana last year, uh, for, well, I go to Montana all the time, but I went to Montana last year for Christmas and I stayed there at her house. Yeah. And so I stayed in my daughter's room, you know, in, in my daughter's bed with, with her and, you know, we slept and snuggled and her, my, my ex and her boyfriend were actually in the other room in, in her room. And so that's when I, that's when I met him. I got like, I sort of got blind. I knew I was going to meet him, yeah. but that must have been a little like, bit awkward. It, it kind of was. So, <laughs> so it was a funny story. She, she was like, uh, you know, she, I knew that I was going to meet him, you know, this trip. Yeah. And so, but, and I knew he didn't live there in the town in the same town. So she picks me up from the airport she, you know, on her lunch break, she picks me up from the airport and I was like, Hey, where's, you know, where's the kiddo? And she's like, Oh, she's at home. I was like, okay, well, who's she's at, who's she at home with? She's like my boyfriend. I'm like, okay. So is he like, you know, going to like screw off when we get there or like, what's the deal? She's like, no, he's staying with us this weekend. <laughs> and I was like, dog, like you can't, <laughs> you can't like spring that on me. She's like, no, I told you. And I was like, bitch, no, you did not. You did not tell me this. And <laughs> uh, that's like, awkward. That's, it was, you know, it was. And she's like, you know, Philip, it's only awkward if you make it awkward. Isn't that what you always say? You always say it's only awkward if you make it awkward. I'm like, okay, yeah, you got me there. But, you know, so I met him and I'm like, okay, well, what are you doing, you know, right now? I'm like, are you done working? She's like, no, I have to go back to work. I'm like, so I'm hanging out at the house <laughs> with him alone with the kid. <laughs> and uh, I know that's, I, I know that's not something that most people would, would ever be comfortable with. Yeah. And, you know, I had, I had to let go, I had to let go of the outcome. Um, and I'm like, okay, this is it. We're not, we're not together. We're not together anymore. I'm totally, I'm totally happy with what I have going on in my life right now. And I'm totally secure in the, in the journey that I'm on. You know, my, my daughter is my daughter Yeah. and you know, I can still be a very, very powerful, influential leader in her life, no matter what, no matter who else, you know, no matter who else comes in. And then I, and, and I met him and he's amazing. Okay. He's, he's such a great, he's such a great guy. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really happy for both of them, you know, they, and they just bought a house. So it's, 
it's great. I mean, I, I probably won't stay there again. <laughs> so if I stay in the same town again, I'll probably just get my own place. But um, I think it's great that you can actually develop uh, friendships. It doesn't, you know, have to be super close, but with your ex and new partners, etc. That's very, I think, healthy because uh, they're going to be part of your daughter's life, most likely a long time. To- uh, long time. So that's, right. that's very healthy. And it's not, it's not supportive to her well-being. It's not supportive to her mental health for me to feel insecure about who her mom's with yeah. or that she's with someone in general and be, you know, have my ego just completely take over how I'm, how I'm feeling and just try to protect, protect something that doesn't even exist. Like there's nothing that I'm, there's nothing that I'm losing. You know, in all, in all reality, there's nothing that I'm losing uh, with with that relationship being there. So, so. Uh, going through the divorce, uh, I've talked to a lot of people about divorce, and, and a lot of people share the, the very, very difficult part of going through divorce, and a lot of uh, loneliness, depression, suicidal thoughts, etc. What was the most difficult part about your divorce? Uh, just feeling like a failure. Yeah. Uh, feeling like a failure, feeling unworthy, feeling like I don't have that I that I'm that I don't have any value. Yeah, and I, I think just the self the self esteem being completely ripped away. Um, and so I I, I I suffered with suicidal thoughts as well. Oh wow! I'm like you know my my daughter's not gonna you know just because this happened it means that I'm, I must be a terrible dad. I'm a terrible husband just because this one person doesn't want to be with me anymore. Then no person is ever going to want to be with me anymore. And, and none of, none of that's true. And it really doesn't have anything to do with that. And so that was, that was the hardest part. I mean, I, I sat there in my, you know, pretty much empty apartment and, you know, I cried a lot when they, when they moved out and I'm like just cleaning stuff. Like I couldn't like do anything besides just clean and I'm just cleaning and cleaning and cleaning. Did you have to deal with the shame in any way? It was, it was mainly shaming myself. Nobody, you know, I wasn't being judged. I mean, when you feel like a failure, what was the reason why you felt like a failure? It's just mainly because the divorce crashed or. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I have this, so our, our standard of success and our, our metric for success being okay well if i wasn't a failure then my marriage would have succeeded yeah but that doesn't that's not true and so my i don't look at so now i don't look at my marriage as being a failure exactly because i learned so much i learned so much from it i learned so much from her and i learned so much about myself and now i'm able to cultivate better relationships and i met tons of incredible people out of this yeah. I met tons of incredible women, so I had all these amazing experiences with with other women, and then I ended up meeting my girlfriend uh, that I have now, and she's incredible. And so there's all these there's all these things that this led me to, and so to me that's not that's not failure. No, I, exactly, and I I totally believe I totally agree with uh, that. But myself, I went through a lot of shame, uh, mm-hmm. especially because I think yeah. Society, there's so much stigma around divorce, and uh, my, for example, my parents, they stayed married throughout until my dad passed away. They had a mm-hmm. very long marriage, and uh, 
my siblings, uh, one of them had a, or have a great marriage. And also in the church that I attended, they preached so strongly about you have to stay married and never talked about divorce. And it just was my feeling that I, I failed. But uh, I, I came to the same conclusion. I didn't fail. Um, it wasn't my choice to have the divorce from, uh, to start with. But also that you can turn this into something beautiful to, to have this as a, as a catalyst to restart your life. And that's why I say going through divorce is not the end of the world. It's, uh, it, it's one point uh, and you have to transition through it. But if you do it well, it, <clears throat> your life can turn out to become totally amazing, a lot more, uh, and, and use this as this like a starting point to restart your life. And um, I, I think it can be a very powerful spot because a lot of times when I went, went through the divorce and prior, I was very blind, had so many blind spots in many ways. And uh, I was kind of like stuck in, in life. And uh, this can actually be a point where you get unstuck and uh, start to, to see the opportunities that you have. So I, I totally, yeah. totally agree. Yeah, my, my, my friend I was, I was talking to uh, when I first got separated and he was, I was like, man, I just, I feel like my life's over. Yeah. And he's like, no, dude, your life's not over. It's just beginning. Yeah, exactly. It's just beginning. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I, you know, at first I was like, okay, whatever, you know, he's trying to, he's just trying to make me feel better. But um it's, it's really when, when you're in that place, it's really hard to see, you know, divorce is a springboard to an amazing life ahead. Yeah. It can be, if that's how you want to make it. Yeah. If you but decide, if you decide to take the steps, but the thing is, right. I was so blind. I, I was in a fog during the divorce for the, probably the first year, year and a half, but I actually made the right choice to get a counselor because the court told us to get a counselor or they highly recommended us to get a counselor mm -hmm. so we, we got the counselor for the whole family which was really really good and then i got a coach and i got a mentor uh, early on and that was definitely the key to to me moving through uh, divorce in a very good way and right now where i'm right now i've never been in the better place my whole life and uh it, this is five years uh, but the last few years i've, I've felt awesome uh, my life, my life is definitely not perfect. It's not where I want it to be, but it's going the right direction. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So that. how did you end up being a divorce coach? How did you pick that? Yeah. So, so what, so what happened was I was working, I was working in Oregon and I was working for a, a, a big company. And so there, there's tons of people there and tons of people who are really overworked. Like I used yeah. to be. And um, really miserable, like I used to be, but overall just, it was a different level than what I like the job that I was working before. So overall it was, I was super happy with it. And I thought I was going to stay there forever. I love the job. The hours were incredible. Um, awesome money meeting tons of people. And as I'm like coming out of feeling terrible, you know, I switched shifts. I was on a night shift for a couple of years and I switched shifts like right as the divorce was happening. So all these people got, get to know me right when I'm at like my lowest point in my life. Yeah. And then they see, you know, they see me start to emerge. I, I, I feel like I bounced back pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, overall, I don't think I was really in that bad spot for, for very long. 
Um, it took, it took a few, mis- you know, a few mistakes, but you know, success isn't like the straight shot up, you know, no, it's, it's a journey. It's, it's all over the place. Right. Yeah. So they, they start seeing me like really thriving. And so I'm out there, I'm super happy. I show up to work at the beginning of the day, super grateful that I'm up. I have all this energy. I'm just loving my life and just totally feeling myself. And I'm out, I'm out dating and meeting all these people and meeting all these incredible women. And they're like, dude, Philip, like you got to save some for us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, there's not, there's not a lack of, of women out there. But, um, so the, what happened, what happened was people who were going through marital issues themselves and guys who were going through marital issues themselves started coming to me like, yo, like, how are you doing this? Cause I'm like, I found out she's, she's cheating on me or, you know, something, something else. And I'm, I'm really worried about, you know, what's going to happen. So I was like, okay. Uh, so I just took what I was learning, you know, what I was just learning myself on, you know, I was just, a lot of it was just self-taught. I eventually hired myself a coach uh, for myself as well. And so that, that was the most helpful thing. So the self-education is, is great. And just, you can find content. There's tons of content out there. There's content to figure out whatever it is you want to figure out, but really having someone to be there and hold you accountable and to, you know, talk to you about your specific issues Uh, specific issues or problems um, is it's irreplaceable. Like that's not something that can be duplicated just by reading stuff online. But um, so they started coming to me and I was helping them and what I was doing and what I was helping them with, even though I didn't have, I didn't really have like a structure at the time was really helpful and it was really powerful. It was really impactful. And, you know, I, I just got to be there for them. And it was something that was really lighting me up. Because when they came, what's that? It gave you energy. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's and, what and I, I did. You know, whenever you're in your passion, that's what uh, energizes you. And I think that's for everybody. Uh, if you're not in a job that you don't like, you're not going to get this energy from it. And when you're when you're in a job that uh, you're very passionate about, mm-hmm. you don't feel like it's a job. It, it's like you living your your dream. And, it's just uh, what you're supposed to be doing. Like I. Yeah. I you know, I'm like, this is, this is purpose. Yeah. And having a coach like you, you shared to, to be able to have somebody hold you accountable because I started reading self-help books before mm-hmm. the marriage crashed. So right. probably a few years before I started reading all these books about relationships, etc. But if you don't take action, if you don't move forward, you just fill yourself with information. It, it's really not that it, it can become unhealthy in a way if you just kind of like uh, read a bunch of self-help books in, in a way you had to really start making it part of your life and then having a coach help you through that process to see your blind spots to, to get you on this path of of a forward momentum is a key yeah uh, I, I don't think it's bad to read but if it's all you do <laughs> and that's uh, some people have a tendency to dive into to all these books and yeah it, it's definitely part of the journey, but uh, you also need to start moving forward to get a healthy life. Yeah, the accountability—the accountability is not something that can be duplicated with no. a book. No, exactly. you know, and um, and so, I mean, what I noticed, what I noticed for myself was, you know, I got I got all this homework and you know stuff that I had to do to get going, and I was like, okay, well, I got to do this. And, you know, I can't let my coach down. <laughs> yeah. I have like, I have someone that, and, and, and then it became, okay, well, I can't let myself down. 
And I can't let my daughter down. I can't let my friends, my family down. And so having that accountability, having someone there to just be like, okay, like you're, you're looking at, you're looking at this, but there's, there's all these other, there's all these other, you know, points of view. There's all these other perspectives and ways, ways of looking at things that, you know, you're, I'm just not seeing. So the blind spots, like you said, yeah, and, and you don't know what you don't know. No, exactly. And blind spots is like, yeah, if you have a coach, you have a, somebody with a different perspective. And it's like, yeah, if you have blind, everybody has blind spots. And, uh, and uh, if you're trying to solve this yourself, you're not going to figure these out by yourself. You're going to see, when you have a coach, you can see, you have a, somebody with a third perspective and can see and help you, guide you towards uh, a resolution of these spots. But how do you help people and how do you empower them through this painful process? So what we what, what I like to start with is just self-awareness. Yeah. And so what I have them do is, is check in, check in with themselves um, 10, 10 times a day to see how they're feeling. And this isn't a process that takes very long, but I just have them notice their emotions and just kind of rate it you know, on a, on a scale of one to 10, if it's something that's desired, they can thank themselves, love themselves for it. You know, eventually just find something to be grateful for in the moment and then just move about their day. If it's something that, uh, is, if it's an emotion that they're not wanting to feel, then it's because it's a program Like we're programmed to feel this way about something. It's some sort of conditioning from our past, a belief that we have a self-limiting belief or just a, a belief about the the situation that makes us feel like, okay, we're going to lose something or there's something that I don't know. So I'm uncomfortable. Uh, I'm, it's some sort of insecurity. So there's these self-limiting beliefs that we, that we place on ourselves. And that's, those beliefs are what make us feel either good or not, not so good. If it's a limiting belief, it makes us not really feel good. But, um, and then I help them with clearing techniques to clear out those, those beliefs once we're able to figure out what they are. Now, for a guy, sometimes feelings is something that, uh, for me, dealing with my feelings was definitely a big struggle initially in the divorce. And I think a lot of guys uh, are not used to these overwhelming feelings when you are thrown into something unknown and something new. And uh, I think that's very, very good. But what is a feeling? Describe this for a guy that's just going through a divorce. What are these feelings that they're going to feel? Uh, so when, so when we're when we're checking in, and okay, how, you know, how am I feeling right now? It's it's a it's a negative it's a negative emotion of some some sort. It's it's shame. It's guilt. It's um, it's in, it's insecurity. It's a lack of supply of, of some sort. Like there's, there's not enough money. There's not enough money to go through this. I'm not, you know, or it's an insecurity that I'm going to be losing all this money because divorce is historically expensive. <laughs> so, um, so I'm going to be losing all this money and, you know, it's, it's not like you can't make money back, you know, and it's not like in with insecurity, it's just a lack of confidence, so they're not, they're not confident that they're going to be able to make the money back. Yeah. And so all, all of so it's it's a combination of all all these things, and none of these beliefs are true. Exactly. 
you know, they're, they're not true. So with, when it comes to our beliefs, our beliefs lead to our thoughts and then thoughts that we're having throughout the day leads to our feelings oh, that's good. and, and our feelings lead to our actions. So we act based on how we're feeling. Yeah. So we act, speak, do things based on how we're feeling. And then our actions lead to our results. And so you, these are your results. They're your, your results are down, down here. You haven't really been super thrilled with how that's been going for you so far. So in order to change these results, we have to change the beliefs that you have around yep. how you feel about yourself and how you view the world and change what, and, and these beliefs are, in, are inside. So you change your inner world, you're going to change your outer world. Yeah. And so that's, that's the, the secret sauce of the process is changing your beliefs to change uh, everything that's happening on the, on your outer world. Yeah. And I think that's uh, to have a coach like you, uh, Philip, when you, you are very positive, a positive vibe all the time. I saw you on Facebook, you did a video with your girlfriend. Uh, you have this positive aura about you. And that's, I think it's very important in a coach when you're a, a listener listening. I think it's very key to find a coach that has that positive outlook on the world and that can help you through these beliefs about you, the beliefs that you have, and then working through this process, that is a difficult path. But when you have people around you, having awesome friends, close friends that you can share with, uh, but also have a coach like Philip, where you can actually have the help of guiding through this process. So now yeah, your, your name of the program is called Level Up Mentoring. Uh, how did you come up with that title of, of the, the, and you have the name mentoring in there? Yeah. So with, uh, so the level up, it's LVL, um, LVL up mentoring. And so with level, you know, I was thinking, okay, we have the life that we, you know, that we want to live. And then we have, it's, it's, we're longing for it. So we're constantly either longing for something or we can actually live it. So it's like longing versus living was what it was at first. And then I was like, no, I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to condense that and just do level. And with level being spelled that way, it's, it's like a video game and in video games, you level up. And so, um, when you, when you go through challenges, you, you face these enemies, you face these obstacles, you, you face these quests and there are all these, these challenges and obstacles. And when you finally overcome them, when you finally defeat that enemy, when you finally finish that quest, you gain experience. And when you gain experience, you level up, you became, you become stronger, you become more resilient. You, um, you're able to do more, you gain more abilities, you're able to go more places. And so I thought that was, I mean, with my, with my love of video games and, <laughs> and the progression, oh, like, there you go. You know, when, when you, when you get to see your character progress and become stronger, you know, that's, that's what we do ourselves. Um, but we actually have to take action and, and really do it. Yeah. And so level of mentoring was that that's what felt right. I have uh, four kids, three out of four love video games. So it's like uh, I actually, you know, I traveled a lot back and forth to Sweden and uh, for, I still do uh, for five years. And uh, I uh, initially I had a very long distance relationship with the kids and to be able to stay connected with them, FaceTime 
it works, but it's on, you can only spend so much time talking to somebody before it gets, okay, what are we going to talk about now? Yeah. <laughs> and that's a struggle I face with my daughter now. Yeah. Well, what I did was that uh, the, the kids played League of Legends. Okay. Uh, three out of four played League of Legends. So I started learning this game. So I played with them for, for a year and a half. Uh, so they were, I was in Sweden and uh, my boys were at different locations. And then my daughter was at home. But uh, we were able to connect. And then we got on uh, Twitch, I think it's called, where you yeah. talk, talk to each other while they play. And that, that way you don't have to come up with a bunch of subjects to talk about. You just hang out. Yeah, so, that's, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> so I did that for a year and a half, but then they stopped playing League of Legends, and then they want to play a different game, and we started playing that. And you know, to learn new things when you're older, it takes a long time. For kids your age, <laughs> you're not a kid, <laughs> but uh, you're younger. Uh, you learn so quickly, but uh, it's just frustrating when you have to learn these new things. And uh, it, it's a, it was a challenge for me to learn these games and try to become on the same level as they are, because they have played so long and etc. But uh, yeah, well, it's like you know we don't have time to play you know everything. I'm finally getting around to playing a game that I pre-ordered. Yeah, you know I pre-ordered it, and so I bought it brand new before it even came out, and I was ready to play it. And I didn't even start. I'm finally just now getting around to playing it. And I'm like, come on, like this is crazy. But I mean, I've been working on my business. And so, uh, but I think it's the key is the key is to be creative uh, with your connection with your kids. And I know that you have a long distance relationship with your daughter and you FaceTime with her quite often. How do you stay connected with her uh, to be able to have this uh, father daughter relationship? Yeah, we FaceTime every day. Um, and so she's she's sick. So she calls me when she gets, you know, when she gets done with school and and we, you know, we talk and that's that's something that um that I fa that I was facing also. I, I mentioned that, you know, you kind of run out of things to talk about. And so there's days where she's like, Dad, I don't really want to talk because she's like tired with like we just kind of check in about the same thing every day. I'm like, okay, sweetie, like, how was your day? What, tell me about something good that happened today. You know, tell me about what you learned. Did you make a new friend? Did, you know, I'm, I'm constantly trying to get her to think about the positive things. Uh, so I'm like, tell me about something good that happened today. She's like, oh, nothing. Yeah. I'm like, really? <laughs> nothing. Yeah. There's, I've <laughs> there's heard that before. That <laughs> and so she's, she'll, right now she's like really, you know, really done, really done with it. And, and I don't blame her cause I sit there on the phone sometimes. I'm like, okay, but she's, she's dancing. And so she's learning dance. And so she's getting excited about showing me dances and oh, wow. they just got dogs. And so she's showing me the dogs and th things like that. So just, I have to make sure I'm doing stuff with her that she really enjoys doing. Yeah. It's trying to figure out the, the, their passion and, uh, connect with that we're gonna round off the podcast here a little bit and uh i just want to ask you one last thing here is that if you have a listener right now and uh to what is one thing that a listener can do right now to make a positive change in their situation this is uh for example somebody that's just entered into divorce and uh they are kind of lost in the situation so the big so the big thing that that I think everyone should be should be aware of. Like, I mean, even if they're in the divorce or this was this is something that would 
this is something that could be transformational for pretty much anybody is just to simply become aware of your reticular activating system, which is your selective focus. Okay. That was a weird word. What? Which one? (laughs) (laughs) The system. (laughs) What did you say again? Explain it for for somebody that's never heard it before. Yes, of course. So your reticular activating system or your RAS, it's about the size of your thumb and it's at the base of your brain. And that is your selective focus. So what is going on around us in our environment, there's about 2 million, around 2 million pieces of information around us at, at any given time. So the texture of something, the smell of something, but our brain can't process all of this information. So it just filters out and only focuses on what's important and what's pertinent to us. Okay. So like right now, me talking is, is the important thing. And and you talking is the important thing. You know, if they're driving, they're focusing on driving in the car that's not hitting them, but they're not focusing on all the, you know, all the rest of the cars that aren't anywhere near them. Yeah. It's not something they really notice. So that's how your RAS works. So becoming aware of what you're constantly focusing on, you you can, so when you're focusing on negativity and when you're focusing on bad things and you're focusing on complaining, you're focusing on lack, focusing on, on negative energy, things that we're losing, those, that's ultimately what's going to end up creating your, creating a reality. So your RAS can be trained. Yeah. Just like uh, if you buy uh, a Ferrari uh, mm-hmm. then you're going to see a bunch of Ferraris. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, exactly, that's exactly how, how it works. You, you, you just got a car, you know, it's, it's easy to think about it, to find yellow cars when you're thinking about yellow, yellow cars. Uh, it's easy to find opportunities when you're constantly thinking of opportunities. Yeah. So if you're thinking of obstacles and how everything coming into your life is an obstacle, everything's there to stop you. Everything's there to, you know, completely block you off. All these people are there to make sure that you're not going to be able to have whatever it is you want. Then that's, then that's what you're going to get. That's what you're going to attract. But if you're going to focus on opportunities rather than obstacles, if you're going to focus on everyone be around you being your cheerleader to make sure that you're there, like that they're going to they're there to help you succeed. And that's what you're going to find. And that's what you're going to attract. But how do you change that in a, when you're in a very, very difficult spot for example, divorce, when you're feeling miserable and uh, everything is going the wrong way. That's, well, that's, that's going to come, that's going to come down to their, their own self-awareness. And so the, the beliefs it's, it comes down to our beliefs and we have to change our, we have to change our beliefs. So with our RAS, we can change our beliefs just by using affirmations. Affirmation is very powerful. Affirmations are super and so I think affirmations are really underrated and it feels kind of weird sometimes you have to write out your affirmation you know it's like I am a powerful man if it doesn't feel right to you it doesn't you know it doesn't hold any sort of weight and you can repeat something over and over and over and that's how our brains learn is by repetition and by emotional emotional attachment yeah that's the key with emotions just to so say something, to if, if it doesn't mean something to you, it's difficult. Right. But to attach an emotion to it, and how would you do that? For example, take, take uh, me. When I was going through a divorce, I, I was dealing with a lot of uh, loneliness, uh, did not have a lot of friends, have a lot of negative thoughts. 
what would uh, one, just pick one or two emo like affirmations that I would start saying, and how do I use it to to become emotionally attached to those? So we would. So typically, the affirmation would be the opposite. You know, something that's opposite of what you're feeling. Okay. So instead, so in, instead of being, you know, you're feeling you're feeling lonely, but. I mean, typically you're feeling, feeling lonely because you have an attachment to another person and, and yeah. not really aware of who you are in, as an individual, but, <laughs> um, but that, that, that emote, that loneliness is from a feeling of not being enough yourself. So what I would say is, is I am enough to create, I am, I am enough. I create everything, um, Hold on a sec. I'm drawing, I'm drawing like now. I, I had it. I had right. it. Um, <laughs> but um, I have the ability to create everything that I need. I can attract whatever I need. I do attract whatever I need. And so that's something, you know, you got to, but you got to say with your chest, like I attract everything. I attract everything that I need. I am everything that I need. I have everything that I need. You know, we can just say it, but like, I have everything that I need. You, you know, you got to say it with your chest, say it with your ass exactly. and you know, really, really put some, some feeling behind it. You know, with, when it comes to affirmations, I think you have to say an affirmation like a hundred and something times before, before it actually alters anything in your brain. But when you say it with the emotion, it only takes like 12. Yeah, yeah 12 exactly. So it's, that's a way, that's one way of one way of reprogramming yeah yeah i think uh, we're gonna have to do another podcast if you're up for it a little bit later on here to to dive into these a little bit more specifics of reprogramming yourself and uh, trying to to get out of this funk uh, of divorce it's uh, very very interesting yeah it's kind of sometimes it's kind of challenging because because we, we don't always know like what what the belief is you know that we have about ourselves and so getting to the really, you know, getting down to the root of what it is, is going to change the rest of the, the rest of the plant or the rest of the tree yeah. uh, on the outside world as well. So, and uh, how do people get a hold of you? Um, I'm on, I am on Facebook yeah. uh, at, at level up mentoring. Okay. So it's LVL up mentoring. I will leave a link in the description below of this podcast. So you can just click the link and, uh, and join uh, Philip on his page there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, I have a, um, I, I do have like a, a, a website link for my schedule yeah. as well. So I offer a free 45 minute, uh, discovery session. Awesome. You know, if it, you know, if, if someone's wanting to reach out, we can just kind of talk about where they're at and see if we're a good fit for each other. Yeah. And I'll show, you know, I'll show them and help them map out a plan to kind of take their power back, um, and, awesome. and move forward. So if, uh, if anyone reaches out to me, uh, any of your listeners, they can mention that they, you know, that they found me on the podcast and if it, if it's okay with you, I'd, I'd like to offer them a free gift. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, Hey, uh, Philip, such a pleasure to, to hang out over the podcast. And, uh, I really looking forward to, uh, to having you on the podcast in the future. Again, it's a lot of fun to interview people that are actually so passionate about helping people it's it's a joy to to hear your your insight and uh, such a wise person for a fairly young age 
<laughs> yeah, I, I hear that. I hear that pretty often. So you know, I I can. <laughs> one of the guys I used to work with, he was like, he's like, you know what? When we're just kind of like BSing, I I think you're like 21. Yeah. <laughs> but then when we really start talking about you know like political stuff, and we start talking about more like uni- you know universal um, personal things, I think you're like 45. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But hey, you average them out and that's about my age. So, you know, (laughs) but thank um, thank you so much again. And uh, I'm really looking forward to hang out with you again here in the future. So have an awesome, awesome weekend. Thank you so much. Create yourself an amazing day pair. And uh, thank you again for having me on. 